Hello and welcome to the Selfish Podcast. Today we have a new guest, Katie Marsh. Now, I can't tell you too much about her because she is also new to me and I can tell you what I've seen on Instagram and it's a lot of motivational and inspiring content and trying to serve others as I see it with helpful tips and ways of living life in a better state of being. So I'm very excited to know uh, what drives her and how she came to be who she is and why she does what she does. But first, Katie, can I hear about your childhood? Can you paint me a picture of what life was like pre-10 years old? Oh, sure. Thanks so much, Luke. It's so great to to be here and get to know you as well. So when I think back to my childhood, I'm already smiling. Um, before 10 years old, things were really quite bright and awesome. I was the firstborn grandchild on both sides of the family. And my life story, according to my elders in my family, was that it was so wonderful when I was born because my family was grieving the passing of my grandfather, who had passed a little bit early. Uh, and that was a really, really hard time for a lot of my aunt's uncle's parents, um, you know, my grandmother. Hmm. So when I was born, I brought a lot of light into the family and, and that really helped shape me. A lot of light was shined onto me, um, at a young age. And, uh, I feel that through me now, like my life's goal is to, my life's uh, intention is to shine that light back, back to the family and, and back to, to folks I encounter. So oh, nice. Uh, and you said you were the firstborn. So how, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Yeah. So I only have one brother. Uh, my brother is eight years younger than me. Yeah. So we grew up quite separately in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Quite a big age gap. Yeah. Quite a big age gap. Absolutely. Yeah. And how was, um, how was your school life in your early childhood? Yeah. So, um, my school life was fine. You know, I always kind of hung out with the good kids, the goody two shoes. I always had a lot of friends that were into studying and, um, we were kind of like, uh, we were just wholesome, wholesome kids. Um, so school was, you know, was fine. I, I knew I wasn't popular, but that didn't, you know, bother me too, too much. I mean, of course you're always like, Oh, like maybe there's more fun parties going around. Uh, you know, I wasn't getting invited to, to those, but looking back, it's a blessing, you know, that I didn't really have a lot of, um, influence around me. That was a lot of like drugs or alcohol. Um, you know, I didn't experience that type of, um, socialization until college. So, uh, pretty okay, nice. safe. Yeah. Yeah. And what, whereabouts did you grow up? Cause I know now you're in the East coast. Are you in Boston? Boston? Yeah. So, um, I live actually in, in South coast Maine right now. Um, but I did spend a lot of time in the Boston, the Metro West area. Um, I moved up, um, to Massachusetts to go to college. I did grow up in Connecticut and in Southern Connecticut. And I always felt like I wanted more, um, more diversity, um, more interesting experiences. Um, it did feel just too cookie cutter for me and for my personality. Um, as a, as a deeply feeling person, as an explorer, like I've always wanted to explore and know more about the world and how other people live 
And so every time I traveled, I was, I was filled up so much. So I, I moved, I moved out of state for college and, and off I went. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And so what was your first sort of drive? What you said you wanted to sort of explore and uh, see more, but what was your first sort of ambition when you was a child? Was there something you wanted to grow up and be or do? Yeah. Um, one of the first things I remember when I was younger, I loved playing uh, school and being a teacher. Um, that was always really, really fun. Um, so it's interesting now um, as I, kind of moved through my career. I've never been an official teacher of children, but I do feel that I do love to share my knowledge and help people. So in a different way, um, I do believe and consider myself a teacher in that way. Yeah, I think a big part of being a teacher is the sort of aiding someone in their growth in whatever growth that is. Um, so yeah, and I've seen that from your content. Like you say, you're putting out stuff to help people grow themselves and to develop. So yeah that is a form of teaching to me yeah what would you what would you say was what comes to mind first what would you say was your like earliest struggle in life oh geez um so from a somewhat early age probably you know pre-teen I experienced a lot of emotional pain so I did I did say that I had a a loving childhood and a lot of light and love was reflected on me not just from my parents, but more even, I would say, my extended family. But my parents did struggle financially. Um, my dad also struggled with drinking. And so that definitely um, became more problematic, um, I would say, after age 10. Um, and so there was a lot of mixed messages growing up. It's like, you're the best thing that's ever happened. You're so smart. You're so talented. But then there was other messages that were much more negative. Um, you know, as as everyone knows, when when people drink, different personalities can come out and sometimes they can be very cruel. And so I was the subject of quite a bit of verbal abuse. Um, and although my mom didn't verbally abuse me, she has a much more passive personality. So she was not assertive. Um, Okay, so she she wasn't almost, say, getting involved to stop the abuse, and that was its form of abuse in itself. Yeah, yeah. And so for a very long time, and I'm still working through this family of origin stuff to to this day, um, you know, it's sometimes difficult to go back home um, just to kind of be re-entered into those dynamics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it something your father still struggles with now? So my father actually passed away um, quite young at the age of 49 when I was 21 and my brother was 13. Um, so that was pretty devastating for all of us in the family as well. Um, he had complications uh, with, with congenital heart problems and then lifestyle, I think, definitely contributed to his um, early death. So there's a lot of heaviness when I go home. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of unresolved um, emotion. And, um, that is, is challenging, you know, but through different programs, through therapy, through introspection, through the Al-Anon program, through the work I'm doing now with, with the Connect and Evolve Network and plant medicine and with Claudia and the light therapy. I mean, there's so many things that I've been 
doing as to heal, to, to, um, to, to keep that light, to keep that light, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Like it's, yeah. it, it's challenging. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah. Well, the, cause I wanted to get into that, the, the things that you sort of do now and how that experience in your early childhood has put you on that path of development and into them areas. But when you was actually younger going through that, say, um, early teens, was there anything then that you did find helped you sort of get through the day? Yeah. So, um, I was a dancer. So I, I went to a traditional, um, Broadway style, you know, tap ballet jazz, um, training that was a source of, um, expression for me and confidence and, took up a lot of my identity, I would say too, that's something to just really be proud of. Um, and throughout my adult life, even if I wasn't in formal dancing school training or, or, or clubs, I still would dance, you know, in the privacy of my own home or bedroom or living room. And it was just, it was definitely flowing with the energy flowing with the music flowing with the rhythm and, um, very therapeutic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think there's a big part cause I had a very traumatic sort of early start to my life. And for me, it came with, um, sports and boxing and later I realized it was just the actual movement of the body and getting your body active and moving it. Cause a lot of times you can get into sort of really negative places and you can become very stagnant and still. And the way okay. I see it, it's a bit like water. If it's not flowing, it starts to become stagnant. It starts to become a swamp and things will only get worse. And no one wants to be, uh, feel like a swamp. <laughs> yeah. And so, I would, I, I really relate to that too, because I, um, I remember growing up, um, a lot of times if I was experiencing any sort of emotional distress, the message from my mom very innocently was like, Oh, you're just tired. Oh, you're just tired. <laughs> so the solution was to go to sleep. So <laughs> I still have, struggled with that throughout my adult life until honestly the past year I would go to sleep to escape I would sleep late I would take naps my sleeping schedule was completely off anyone that knows me knows that you know um I was never a morning person so um sleep and stagnation as an escape were also maladaptive coping skills uh for me that I employed as well um so, yeah. Uh, and I have to say that um, one of the reasons why I'm in Maine now and in this new home is because I I found that this home has a lot of bright sunlight. And simply just being around more sunlight has completely changed my life and has been the best sleeping medicine I've, I've ever encountered. And it's funny that it's taken me over 20 years to discover <laughs> that something as simple and free as opening up your blinds and uh, making sure you get enough sunlight uh, can be so healing. And I'm, I'm so glad to have found this miracle of sun uh, today. Uh, better late than never. <laughs> yeah. So. No, and it, like I say, it's maybe coming in now more importantly, showing the, the power of light, you know, it's something that's so impactful and, changes our system and like you say you've got multiple types of lights because I know you um, and I want to get into that as well you work with the Lucia light with Claudia who I had on my earlier podcast and um, but the natural lights like you say the power of the sun the stars the moon all these lights that we have but there's also the the opposite the impact of the lights from the television from the lights from our phone and light 
has impacts in so many ways. So it's uh, really nice to hear that just the change of the sun for you made such a such a difference. Yeah, it made it made such a difference. And I would say the Lucia light was was um, sort of the the catalyst for me to even think outside of the box. I was in a really dark place. Uh, my sleep schedule was completely upside down um, this time last year. And Claudia was doing demo sessions of the Lucia light. And I went in for it. And immediately, as soon as I got under that light, I said, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. I needed that bright flashing light, you know, over my consciousness to, to, to invigorate me, to wake me back up. And it was immediate. I mean, it was just immediate. I knew that's what I needed. And, um, if, for those that you don't know, the Lucia light influences your brain waves. So, um, you know, if in, we're all in a, in a state of mind, we all are creatures of habit. Our brains are in are in habits, and our brain waves are are what they are. But if you can influence them to change, then you'll, your thinking will change, and then you'll have opportunities to think about things differently. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I had my first light session. And I just started thinking more creatively and differently. And I said, maybe I should just maybe think about going to, you know, rent out an Airbnb or let me look to see if I can go stay somewhere different because I was working from home. Um, I was working on a, a pandemic project. And so I was, I was very much, I was very much locked down. I, w- I was very mm-hmm. afraid of, of going out and catching coronavirus, which I still somewhat am, but I've, I've definitely have amended my, um, my policies for myself. But anyway, I I said, well, if you're going to be stuck inside somewhere, you know, being cooped up, why don't you go get cooped up somewhere else? (laughs) Why don't you go get cooped up in a nicer place and look at four different walls? And so that's what I did, you know, and I, I found a place with more light, you know, just by miracle of God. And, and so things just started unraveling, you know, when I'm talking to people that are struggling, I, you know, it's important for them to just know, just taking that one step in the right direction, no matter how small it is, is, is so important. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, intimidating thing, just like what could be the next possible step, you know, and an example I give, if, if you're stuck in bed and you're depressed and you can't get out of bed, you don't have to think about getting up and taking a two mile walk. You know, you can just think about sitting up in bed, like just ask yourself, why don't I just sit up? That's it. Like ask yourself to do something small. And if you can sit up, maybe the next thing would be to swing your feet around and dangle your feet, you know, off, off the bed and just sit there for a few minutes. I mean, any change is, is going to be a catalyst. Yeah, no, great. And what, so what changed is this from last year did you change and start putting yourself out there to sort of serve people in this way or is this something you've been doing before yeah so um I actually was in mental health counseling social work uh for my career I I studied psychology um in college and right out of college I um got an outreach counselor position and then I moved into uh, group home management and, and on-call positions. So I've always been helping people um, and counseling them and coaching them, but more in the traditional framework, not so much in the new age space or these new biohacking techniques or brain entrainment, you know, nothing like that. It was more just, you know, based in CBT 
um, DBT therapies, uh, all which all which can help and all which have their place. Um, and I actually worked for a a pretty um, forward thinking company, which was great, and they did appreciate you know um, other modalities. Uh, they and and they encouraged that. Um, but now I, I feel like I'm helping people in a different way. But firstly, I'm helping myself. And I, and I have found that when I was doing social work, when I was in that field, working full time, on call, it's very grueling. And it takes a lot out of you. And honestly, Luke, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I really thought I did, but I, I really didn't. Like I, I, I was taking care of other people, but I was not looking after myself. I wasn't taking the time to cook. I wasn't taking the time to really get on good sleep routines. Um, and I'm still learning how to take care of myself. And that's what I've been focused on, you know, the last, the last year. Um, so I'm so grateful, uh, that I've been able to, to pivot in this way. I was able to get a remote job, um, when, when the pandemic hit, which, which, um, which allowed me to, to really just, take a pause and take a look and, and, and treat myself better, treat myself differently. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I can really relate to that because, um, and I think again, it, a lot of these things are stemmed from our childhood and then like you said, them thoughts and then patterns start to get ingrained and we don't realize we're still running that same circuit. We're still going through the same process and it could be 10, 20, 30, 50 years later and we're still doing the same until some sort of big intervention happens. And it oh, sounds yeah. like the lose their light done that for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I discovered um, also, you know, growing up in a family that was affected by alcoholism, I discovered, you know, in my early 30s that I had been, you know, choosing romantic partners that were also um, not good for me. They also had different types of addictions. And um, I had to learn to identify, hey, you're, you're repeating these patterns, you know, and you're codependent. And so I started unraveling this, you know, it's been a lot of unraveling, you know, and there hasn't been any workshop or group therapy or individual therapy that hasn't, hasn't given me something. So it's been a long journey of exploration and and uncovering. And like they say, it is an onion that just keeps on, you know, peeling back. Um, And so I am so grateful of, of where I am today and I'm excited to to fully um, kind of embrace you know helping helping people with with the different things that I've found to be helpful and, and currently um, those Lucia light the Roxiva light um, have been just so helpful for me yeah and I think I think that's what life's all about is actually using your your own experiences and sharing them and rather than say learning something and then trying to share someone else's sort of method teachings experience when you have a wealth of your own unique experiences and life that you've been through and I think that offers the best value and and also the best return value for yourself especially using the struggles that we've had and how we've overcome them yeah I think you I think you'll find it really interesting if you check I don't know if you've seen have you seen my YouTube channel I've seen, yeah, some of it. And I, I love that you're sharing your story. Um, it's so inspiring. Um, I think it's so yeah. inspiring to see people that have, have really come, come up from the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, I don't know. I was going to ask you if you've, if you've done any, but for me, what 
really helped and what I didn't realize had happened from my childhood is is the path of self-love and I was in a path of say inner self-abuse that I was living in expectations because I grew up in a in a situation that needed to change then my mindset became I'm fixated on when this change happens then I can feel love then I can feel gratitude praise and acceptance for myself but only once I fix everything everything has to be done and I was living in the future I was living in waiting for these expectations to be fulfilled before I could feel good and the inner voice or inner communications that I had had become like a dictator and they were you know pushing me to do these things not pulling me with love and that's a path that I share with self-love have you had experiences with like self-love practices and do you feel you love yourself yeah I do feel I love myself now um when I was in college I remember having these horrible breakdown episodes. And if anyone's listening that was with me in college and saw me through these, I really appreciate you. But I would have these huge meltdowns and I would just hate myself and I would um, I would feel like I was worthless. And, you know, those are some of the words that were spoken to me um, as a child. So as I said, I had a really strange mixed message as far as my identity goes growing up. Um And some people look at me and have looked at me for, you know, my whole adult life since high school, college, and they'll say, Katie, you're so confident. You know, Katie, you have such positive energy. But there there was another side to me. There was a very um, broken, sad, unsure part. And I'm still recovering those parts. It's gotten so much better. And I feel like as far as self-love, I feel that I'm I'm really getting it finally in the past couple of years, you know, just treating myself better. So for me, self-love is taking care of myself. Like perhaps I would take care of, of a friend or, or a lover, you know, um, cooking myself good food, making my own bed, keeping my house tidy, you know, speaking my truth, um, having, having boundaries to protect myself, saying no when it's needed, um, I had a big theme over the summer and, and it was speak, speak your truth. I was writing it on rocks. I do. Um, I've in the past few years, I've enjoyed decorating rocks and leaving them around the community with different messages. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have, have been doing that. And, and one of the most recent sessions, uh, was this, my speak your truth series. <laughs> um, and that really helped me, you know, I stood up for myself at work. I took some time off and I really dug in even deeper with the self-care. So yeah, I'm doing it. I'm getting it, Luke. I think, <laughs> I think I'm well on my way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So nice to hear. And uh, it was also just when you were saying about how other people would perceive you as similar for me in that when I was talking and putting out my story and things, I knew that so many people that did know me that are going to see this are going to have no idea um, what was actually going on in my life because I only portrayed one side oh. I didn't want to burden people with that other side so I tried to hide it the, as best I could and um, they just would not have known the sort of deeps and the darkness and and the places that I had sort of been in my in my internal life and my external life to be honest a lot of my childhood I had just didn't let people know what was going on yeah. um, so that there was a sort of coming out period of actually sharing and just being open and going like you know this is my life this was my real experiences this is what I really felt and that was quite a interesting part of the development did you did you feel that like a a coming out part in terms of sharing your actual real life 
Well, I think, you know, even just doing this podcast is, is kind of coming out in a, in a bigger way. So, um, one blessing that I have is that I have always been pretty open about myself and about my experiences. And I feel like that's helped other people, um, feel safe in sharing their stories too, especially when it comes to, you know, suicidality. Um, I have found that the best way to keep others safe, to keep our community safe, to keep our friends safe is to just be honest about how we're feeling rather than just presenting the highlight reel, because that can just be so isolating. So I, I have always been pretty, pretty open about, about myself. And, and that isn't that common. Um, I know. <laughs> um, but I do feel like I'm a bit of a pioneer in that way. Just, you know, I'm the same person at work as I am in a relationship, as I am with my family, as I am, you know, at the grocery store, um, for better or for worse. I mean, I'm not great at compartmentalizing, you know, hmm. so it's, it's not, it's not 100% money back guaranteed this way of being. I don't really, I'm just not good at, um, at compartmentalizing. Uh, so this is how I am. <laughs> this is just how, how I am. So how do you think uh, your younger self, if you was to say go, if you was to meet yourself at say 13 years old, 15 years old, what do you think your younger self would think of you now? Wow. Well, I think she would be glad that I'm still having fun. You know, when I was younger, um, I loved dogs and I think she'd be so proud of me that I have my own dog now and, you know, I still go out and do things like horseback riding and um, do a bit of traveling and um, I have a lot of great friends. So I think that, that she would be proud and, and pretty excited uh, to see see what we're doing. (laughs) Nice. And what's what's your dog's name and how did your dog enter your life? Oh, Trixie. (laughs) She, uh, so I volunteer for a wonderful dog rescue out of Hopkinton, Massachusetts called Brown Dog Coalition. And uh, I was on their uh, volunteer Facebook page and a picture of this small black dog and a whole bunch of little guinea pig sized puppies (laughs) that were all lined up against her. She was out in a shelter in Alabama and they were looking for a a foster to take in her Mm -hmm. and her little babies uh, so they can bring her up um, to get, to get adopted. So I took her and her puppies in and that was so healing for me. Cause once again, I was in another depressive episode right before I took her in. And that was such a healing experience for me to, you know, focus my attention and energy and love on, on her and her babies um, it just brought so much joy to my life. And she, she's just an amazing, amazing animal. Um, and, uh, so her puppies, uh, the agency found great homes for all of them. And there was no doubt in my mind, uh, she was staying with me. <laughs> so oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really nice. And I'm definitely an advocate for people that can adopt a dog and rescue dogs. Yeah. There's an abundance of animals out there in shelters and even on the streets that need homes, including puppies. Like you say, she had a load of puppies. Not yeah. all of them have they've grown and got traumas. And some people are going to be good at taking on them ones and, and rehabilitating them. But there's also puppies out there that are fresh and just looking for a, a nice family, a nice home. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for asking about her. It's so great, Trixie, you got in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Is it, 
It's actually, I think you'd be interested in it if you haven't um, heard of it already. It's still a small organization, but my last podcast that's going up uh, this Sunday on the 2nd was with a, a man named Peter who started a non uh, non-profit foundation for called Poor Salvation. Have you heard of them? No, I have not heard about them, but I would love to hear more about them. Yeah, check him out. He's on Instagram. I'll definitely recommend following him for some inspiration and some nice stories. Um, but he's, he specializes in dealing with helping people who are homeless who have animals, making sure their pets can get to vets, they can have food. And yeah, it was really nice to hear his story. But yeah, if you're an animal lover, I think you'd really, really enjoy uh, checking him out. And I will definitely check check them out. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, um, with the last two years, like I say, it's been a. I know you were saying earlier you've had a lot of anxiety with it. How how was the last two years uh, with the pandemic and everything? How has that been for you? And um, what would you say has helped you in that time? Yeah, so um, I've been so fortunate to um, to to work and to be able to develop an online community. Um, I was co-founding. Uh, and coronavirus.org. And we had a lot of Zoom meetings. And so we were all kind of in lockdown together and, and trying to figure out ways to stay to stay safe and also just spread the word to just have people stay safe, but also to not lose connection and, and to stay above water. So I, I kind of just, I just dove right into building up another community. I'm, I'm a natural connector. And so I'm doing the connecting the community management for the connect and evolve network with, with Ben Holt. And I didn't really get a chance to talk about that experience, but I did um, have a couple of plant medicine retreats with him in the past six months. And that's another community that I um, have dove into. So I would say that building community, um, maintaining friendships, uh, old and new building new communities and just staying connected with people has been, has been such a blessing uh, for me and, and, and also a creative outlet as well. Um, and with my new position um, coming out of social work, working in communications, um, you know, financially things have been easier for me for the first time in my whole life because working as a social worker, I mean, you're just getting by, you're just getting by, you're just getting by, and you're not really able to, to do much as far as, you know, investment or travel or in your, in your on edge, you know? So I've been really fortunate to, to find it, to not financially struggle for the first time, you know, in my life. And, um, so that's been a miracle. It's been, it's been, I mean, it's also been really hard. I also, I also hit the hardest parts of my depression and I had the worst insomnia of my life as well. So it's been, all over the map. <laughs> it's been all over the map. So it's been hard. Um, but it's also been ch- chocked full of blessings. Oh, nice. Yeah. I actually suffered insomnia for a really long time in the past. And for me, I was, I was thinking about early when you were talking about the, the laying in bed for too long and taking naps, cause I could never take a nap and I could never sleep. And I used to get really bad anxiety when it even started to get dark. Cause I knew I would have to go to bed and I won't be able to sleep and I'd be laying there and but then when I did finally fall asleep, I would, I'd really struggle to get up. And I always woke up feeling like I hadn't slept no matter how long I had laid down for and how long it took to get to sleep. Um, 
So yeah, it's a really horrible thing to go through insomnia. But I'm really interested. You said about the the plant medicines and the treats. You can talk about them now. I'm interested to know what what plant medicines you took and how how that came into your life. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, Claudia had done some work with plant medicine with with Ben Holt from Connect and Evolve, and I think that's when she spoke about um, her channeling really opening up. Um, and her and I had been working together with the light and she coordinated a retreat out here in new England and Vermont, um, with Ben. And, um, so the, the plant medicine is called five MEO DMT. Um, it's called Bufo alvaris. It's, um, from a toad. It's a secretion from a toad. It's, um, packed with DMT, um, which is a naturally occurring substance that, um, the human body and other mammals, you know, produce. Um, we experience DMT when we're born and when we die and also during dreaming as well. I'm still learning a little bit about the science behind it. So what DMT um, properly administered, um, properly integrated DMT ceremonies can do, they can really kind of like help reset, um, clear out uh, traumas, addictions. Um, also I should say that, um, because my father did drink, I, um, never really got into drinking socially. I just never agreed with me, never really could get a drink down. My friends would probably laugh if they were listening. Like I can't ever finish a drink. You know, I was, I was not, not good at drinking. Um, but I did, I did use marijuana. That was my recreational drug of choice. And, um, for many years, um, and over the past few years, I had kind of noticed I would get high and I'm like, you know, I really don't like how I feel. Like, I don't like how I feel, but it was such a, a reflex just to go for it, you know, to take the edge mm -hmm. off or to, or to celebrate or have fun or loosen up, you know, it's just part of my repertoire. And after doing DMT for the first time, I really didn't um, need to do, uh, to smoke anymore. You know, I really did it a handful of times maybe after and didn't enjoy it. And, um, after my second session, you know, I haven't, I haven't touched it and it's not, it, it's just, just kind of like how my sleep got better. Um, just kind of how my eating habits have gotten better and my exercise habits have gotten better. Um, since my plant medicine retreats, I'm not forcing myself. I'm not strong arming myself. It's not a struggle to do these things these, you know, self-care things better. Um, yeah. Just coming more naturally. And I don't know what kind of, you know, spiritual miracle or placebo, placebo effect. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm still kind mm -hmm. of bringing it out. There's still a lot of mystery around it. Um, and I also would love to share, this was a huge accomplishment for me. I was put on um, SSRIs, antidepressants, after my father passed away when I was 21, 22. Mm -hmm. And I struggled to go off of them for my whole entire adult life. I'd go off of them for a few months here and there, but I'd always go back on them because my generalized anxiety would just return and it would just be too uncomfortable and I would be agitated and it was just easier to be on meds. Well, um, you know, Ben coached me off of medication to get ready for the plant ceremony um back in august and i've been off of them ever since and oh, nice. it's a that's a miracle on its own like if i didn't do anything else <laughs> i feel like that's such a miracle um that i've been able to to stay to stay off that medication and just live a more 
natural life more opened up. So I feel like I'm getting off topic. Uh, can you remind no, me? That's, that's, okay. No, no, that's on topic. Like I say, that's important. That's a big part of your life. And um, no, I congratulate you on being able to get yourself off any substance, you know. And, yeah. um, some people have a use for these at certain times. But for me, it's all about becoming more independent and not dependent on anything. So if we're able yeah. to free ourselves from them things, but still be becoming more comfortable in life, having more joy, noticing that we're becoming more balanced, then that's yeah. uh, we're on the right path. And that yeah, sounds absolutely. exactly like where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Like no judgment at all. I mean, I, at different points in my life, wanted to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner just because I had so much experience with, with um, people on medication, taking some medications myself and just being with clients. I worked with a lot of clients with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, things like that. And there's definitely a place for medication, you know, and I just think people need to be informed properly and, and monitored properly. I don't think that's really done very well um, in the Western world. And so that was one, one of my uh, ideas uh, growing up was, or as an adult was that perhaps I would be um, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So I could inform people the correct way. I don't feel like that's my path right now. Um, absolutely. Probably not. I, I would rather ha help people in these uh, more, you know, uh, in these different ways and, and facilitate perhaps, you know, plant medicine integration, um, you know, and just more natural healing. But I, I would never, I would never encourage anyone to stop their medication um, on a whim. You know, it all needs to be done uh, very, very carefully uh, and in a very supportive manner. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, agree with that. And like I said, we're not giving medical advice in any way. So that's a little disclaimer. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's, it is something like, I don't know if you heard in my other stories, because my mom suffered extreme schizophrenia, like the worst I've ever, uh, ever witnessed. Oh. And I've witnessed a lot of people with mental health because she was in and out of many mental health hospitals for many years at a time. So I'd visit her there constantly and see so many patients. So I was sort of very immersed in the the the, the area and the experience of people with mental health issues my entire childhood and adult life. Um, and I did notice that all the methods and all the things that have worked for me now, and I've seen work for people, things that you've mentioned now, not one of them things was ever introduced to her in the system she was in. No. She was only given drugs and I would take her to the doctors, talk to the doctors and be like, but she's getting this side effect from this drug. And they'd be like, okay, we'll just switch it for this one. We'll switch yeah. for this one. And was or like, well, let's, com yeah, let's combine this with this. Let's make yeah. a cocktail. And she was on like 20, 30 pills. And I oh, used to yeah. be the one to ad administrate her with all her pills and make sure they're on time. And, you know, and yeah. you and you so much medication. Um, yeah, and we, yeah it was we did a lot of the same thing. I mean, I was doing the same thing. You know, they weren't my parents, but I was going to appointments with people that were really, you know, quite ill. And it was more meds and just doling it out, doling out the pills. I mean, that was a big part of my my job. And you're right. You know, as far as giving people alternatives to process their emotions, a lot of people were traumatized. You know, a lot of people had trauma and, and then just traumatized by the fact that they're, they've been in the system for so long. And um, yeah. 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 And it seemed a lot, a big part of it for me, I was trying to like sort of reverse engineer my mom's life. Cause she was, she had schizophrenia for my entire conscious life. It started to develop really severe from when I was about four or five years old. So I don't have any memories of her any other way. I've only got pictures and stories to go by that my dad's shared. And what, what I noticed is she sort of 
was becoming depressed and then she wanted to uh, she didn't know what to do and it seems she went to the doctor and got antidepressants which have now been made illegal there are a certain type of antidepressants lots of them do get made illegal because they're too dangerous and yeah. it takes time and studies for them to notice that actually this isn't a, a good one and um, it seemed that that just led her down and downhill and more meds more meds more meds and just kept and aggravated all her issues and all her problems and no one got to the roots no one got to develop and and see like you said and no one got went into the traumas no one went into anything um deeper than that no exercise was involved no spirituality was involved you know it's a very um drug orientated experience that she she had to suffer yeah, exactly. Like solve it with pharmaceuticals and no other interventions. It's just keeping people basically sedated, basically pe- keeping them out of the way of, of the community, but they're certainly not recovering, you know? Yeah. Certainly and I liked what you said right at the beginning. You said something about, I think it was um, when you'd first done the Lucia Light. I'm trying to remember the exact words you said, but you said part of it is basically like a perception change and that opens up the opportunity. And I think that's such an important thing for people to realize, because if anyone's listening who is suffering something or they are on heavy medications and it's not so much you just come straight off, but you need to change something sort of almost drastically in your lifestyle so that you can open up an opportunity and live healthier and start doing things, like you said, and work your way off something if you need to. Yeah, you need sort of like a a launching point or an inspiration or a jostle. You know, sometimes it could be, you know, a trip to another place. I mean, the thing is, is we all don't have the resources, you know, the financial resources to, to do that, which is, which is, which is tough, but, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy to share my story or, or more details with anyone who, who'd like to be, you know, in touch with me. Um, I do feel very inspired to help, to help other people, um, navigate, you know, feelings of depression, anxiety, suicidality. It's like, it doesn't need to be taboo, you know, and it is possible yeah. to feel better, Um, and it's also, you know, for me, it's not like every, it's not like I could say, oh, I'm cured. Like I never have a bad thought or a a bad feeling or the anxiety doesn't come back. You know, it does ebb and flow, but there is, there is hope that it can get better. And like your story too is so inspiring. I mean, you are struggling as well. And, and now look, you've got a podcast and and you're sharing and you're helping. So it's like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I yeah i had dep- depression was lasted for like about 20 years insomnia about eight years chronic fatigue for about six years and um it 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 didn't for me it wasn't say everything got better and then it got fixed it was actually things in my life got a lot worse mm-hmm. like extremely worse and then it was in that moment when i was just losing everything lost lost every bit of income i had work i was stealing to eat my mom was committing suicide constantly my partner had a cardiac arrest and I became her full-time carer. Like loads of stuff happened all in all in one intense year. Um, and it was actually in that time where I had a breakthrough, a shift of perception. And it was that I'm just going to make myself feel good inside, no matter what happens that's, externally. That's so true. Like, and that's what they speak about in Al-Anon and like AA too. It's like, you sometimes a crisis is needed to actually take a different direction, you know? And and I would say that I came to a crisis point last December because my sleeping was was impossible. It was hard for me to be productive at work. I was so isolated. My depression had gotten so bad. And sometimes it's like we call it in um, the 12-step programs, like the gift of desperation, you know? So um, 
don't lose hope. <laughs> that's the that's the message. Don't lose hope. Yeah, and and it's always self encouragement as well because especially if you're in a dark place, like you said, there's a lot of uh, negative encouragement can come internally, but it's appreciating the little things that you did. So like you said earlier, if you're laying in bed and you manage to sit up, it's to pat yourself on the back that you've actually done something. You're doing a good job. Yeah. You're moving forwards and constantly reaffirming yourself that yeah. you're doing good. You're good enough. You deserve it. You're worth it. And just keeping yourself fighting and um, keep moving. Yeah. What you- yeah. Oh, I was one of this. I felt inspired to say, that one of the things that was hard for me, and I'm sure is hard for a lot of people that are struggling with depression or, or you know, anxiety or a poor mood is, you know, we all know what's good for us. Go take a walk, go take a shower, go read, take a, take, you know, pet your dog, what, whatever, you know, the, the traditional recommendations are. And I would go and I would do that stuff. And I would say, you know, what, I still feel like crap. But mm. What I noticed was that, and I don't know if this, I hope this will be true for some people, is that if it's, if you kind of push yourself to do a few of those things every day. If you can get to that point after a few days of doing good self-loving things for myself, then I would see my mood start to lift, but it would never be instant gratification. Although with the Lucia light, that's pretty, that's pretty dramatic. And that's such a powerful brain wave alteration that you can kind of get more instant gratification. But I just wanted to to tell people that might be listening that you might not feel the best after you go and you take your 10 minute walk. But if you do a few of those things every day in a few days, you might notice that your mood does lift. So hang in there. Yeah. And also a bit like what you're saying earlier, not everyone's in the position to be able to experience a Lucia light or financially or even distance or location to be able to get hold yeah. of someone. So it's like, it is, if you can get yourself a walk, like you say, consistency and build up that routine, you know, yeah. it's a bit like, it's a bit like going to the gym and expecting your first session for you to be fit and healthy and being yeah. able to run a mile. And it's yeah. like, it will take time, but if you're consistent and you sort of baby steps and slowly then start to crawl and walk and just consistency and keep going and encouraging yourself. Yeah. And if you can just get some sunlight, like, I, gosh, I wish, I wish I knew this like 20 years ago. Maybe if I had just stuck myself outside in the morning for 10 minutes, even if I was in a slump, even if I, you know, didn't feel like getting dressed or anything, maybe if I had just gone outside and sat under that sunlight for 10 or 15 minutes, maybe that would have made a bigger difference, you know? And I think I'm going to experiment with, with that more and add that maybe into my routine, even though it's super cold. I'm up in Maine now. It's so cold. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, like you said, a lot of people in that position, they go and sit themselves in front of the TV light and they might sit there for a couple of hours you yeah. know, or under the lights of their house and the bulbs and every other light they've got around, but they're inside a box, not getting the sunlight. Yeah. But it's definitely a powerful power in, in getting that sunlight not only on your skin, but in your eyes and make sure you get in some actual sun and looking around and enjoying it. Yeah. Where would you say is the best place for people to follow you and to find more and to be encouraged by you? Yeah, I would definitely say my Instagram is probably the most, the most active. So it's wildflowers mind. Um, so it's wildflowers underscore mind. And I'm sure that you could drop that into the description of Yeah, it will be in the description. Yeah. And then I also have, um, a link tree. Um, it's shore by slash Prima. Um, Prima is my brand. Um, 
Prima living, uh, you know, treat yourself Prima. <laughs> That's <laughs> sort of the theme there with that. So if you find my Instagram, you can find my, my link tree and um, you can contact me. You can email me just to talk if you'd like. Um, if you have any questions about my, my journey, I'm, I'm happy to share. Uh, if you would like to learn more about the Lucia light, there's a link to learn about the Lucia light experience. Uh, and there's also an opportunity to book sessions with me, um, during the Lucia light. So not only do I put you under the Lucia light, but I do, you know, an intake. I see where you're at. Um, how are you doing? Like what you'd like to see change. We do a guided meditation, um, to get you, um, best to receive the light. And sometimes I do some intuitive channeling as well. Um, I'm studying and being mentored by Claudia, uh, in, in that regard as well. I'm, I'm early to that. I'm still opening up that, uh, that portal I'd say, but it does happen in some of my sessions. So. Oh, nice. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And what would you what would you say gives you energy in life? Oh well, I I honestly think it's I'm learning to get energy from the sun, um, and it's, this is this is sort of a, a painful question for me because um, because of that whole like oh if you're stressed out or you're not feeling good or if you're depressed go take a nap. It's like my energy levels have been sort of like a shameful subject um, for so long. So I'm still kind of learning how to um, get myself energy or pay attention to what gives me energy. Another thing that gives me energy, though, is connecting with other people hmm. and sharing um, in that just heart-to-heart, kind of open-hearted connection. Um, after I do a session with someone, uh, I did some demo sessions yesterday at my at my yoga studio here in Agunquit, Maine, at Good Vibes Yoga, which is an awesome yoga studio and community. Um, that gave me life that gave me energy and hope, you know, so connections to other people, um, being outside. I also love the water and swimming. That's an element that I've always identified with. Oh, well. nice. Yeah. I'm always interested because uh, like I say, personally having suffered chronic fatigue and stuff, I've always been on a sort of mission to always have more energy. Um, and that's yeah. also been a painful subject for me to even talk about in the past because like I said, you, you I, well for me I hidden was in shame of certain aspects of my own experience I was, wouldn't share with that with people they just might not see me for a while <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm always interested but for me it ended up for a long time I was thinking oh food is energy I need to eat more nutritious and eat the most nutritious food and you could eat a big meal of like the best quality food and I, you get no energy and for me like you said it comes from connection experience um, from nature from the sun there's so oh, many God. ways of actually getting so much yeah. energy into the system I just went out to Sedona, Arizona for the first time. And that's another thing that gives me energy is just going to see other places, other landscapes and meeting with other people and to see how they live and what's important to them and their traditions. That gives me so much energy. So I should not forget that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. We're getting near to the end of the show and I really appreciate sure. your time. So I don't want to take up too much, but I have a few sort of quick fire questions, but you can elaborate on them if you want. Are you ready for them? Absolutely. Okay. If you could only choose one, and I think I know the answer, dogs or cats? Oh, yeah, it's dogs. <laughs> it's dogs. Um, and what's your favorite color? Uh, my lifetime favorite color is purple. 
Uh, I, do you know what? I think purple's been the most popular color so far, and it's also my favorite color. Oh, Maybe wow. I'm attracting that uh, than people, but yeah, yeah, that's been the most, I think, out of all my episodes. Yeah, but I love all colors. I've also been really drawn to like deep blues lately as well. Um, it depends on my mood, of course. But growing up when I was a little girl, it was always purple. You can ask my mom. It was purple everything. So, uh, And that's the color of royalty, right? And the color of divinity and the color of, I think, spirituality is purple. So I think it makes yeah. sense that it's your favorite color and that you're attracting <laughs> so many people that also are attracted to purple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what would you say excites you uh, creatively and spiritually? Oh, creatively and spiritually, what excites me? Um, I think like what I said before, like I would love to travel to South America, India, and, and these different places around the world and just immerse myself in in their culture and just talk to open-hearted people. I mean, I love talking to open-hearted um, open people. I mean, that, that gives me so much life connecting, connecting. That's it. (laughs) Nice. And what's the opposite? What turns you off? Um, what turns me off? So I think it's more like what maybe makes me, makes me sad. Uh, um, just seeing, um, people that are, you know, stuck, in a slump or their hearts are closed, uh, that people are suffering. Um, and we see that and we can get agitated by that. You know, our egos can get triggered when people are sad or angry or suffering because they're in defense. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think as well, when you've been through a, cause for me, I've really struggled seeing other people suffering for a lot of my life. Cause I could see it so clearly, clearly. And, um, it wasn't till you sort of come to a certain place, but especially when you've been through a lot of suffering yourself, you're just, I feel it gives you a sensitivity to it. You're aware of it. Yeah. Cause you see some people just aren't aware of someone else's suffering at all. They can be oh. completely blind to it. Yeah. yeah. And what, what, what would you say your favorite sound or noise is? What do you, what sound or noise do you love? Favorite sound or noise. Um, I do like, silence um interestingly enough um but i love sounds of nature i love it's 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 i guess it's visual too but i mean i i love a wind going through leaves looking up into the trees and and hearing and experiencing how the wind dances through the leaves and the branches it's just so beautiful and harmonious and that expression is just so um, inspiring it's like we should all just like you know there's that saying like bend 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 like the trees with the wind or or whatever that saying is uh, that's always brought me a lot of inner peace oh nice and what sound or noise do you hate oh i guess nails on a chalkboard <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah that's not a nice noise no <laughs> And what comes to mind first when I say, what is your greatest fear? My greatest fear is not living my life to its fullest potential. Um, To not travel and see the whole world before my life is over. Um, To not 
to not reach the expansion point that I know that I'm capable of. But I also know (laughs) that lifetimes do continue on. So I do have faith that if I don't make it in this lifetime, I will definitely be on my way for the next lifetime. But I would love to see myself really, you know, open up um, and expand uh, fully in my lifetime. Yeah. Oh, nice. And what do you love about yourself? I do love that I'm open. I do see that that provides me a lot of relief and and joy and pleasure. And I see more so that it provides other people joy and pleasure. That the way I live and communicate, I've seen it inspire other people and people that maybe are a little more closed off when they hang out with me, they they open up and I can really see the joy in their eyes and, you know, in their energy. And that is such a gift. That is such a gift. And I have to say that, you know, I got that joviality and that, and that dynamic personality from my dad, you know, as much as my dad suffered and may have, have not said the nicest things. He also showed me and shared with me like such a gift of, of his light and, his joy. He was so sensitive. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. Oh, nice. And uh, what do you love about others? I, you know, I love about others is that they are just willing to help. I mean, I think generally speaking, people are good. People are good. People are want to help each other. Um, and there's just so much good in the world. Um maybe our society doesn't quite foster that as well. Um, certainly not in uh, New England or, you know, like where you are in England, it's probably no, no, this is New England, but you know, people can be closed off or not make eye contact and maybe seem like they don't care. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, look for the helpers and they're there. And that's, yeah, no, yeah, no, I definitely agree. And it's like I said, I think I think people are humans are innately born the most compassionate creatures. And if they're not being compassionate, it's because they've experienced some form of trauma in their life that needs to be unwound. And when it is, and if it can be, then they'll be back to being compassionate again. Yeah. And like I said, the compassionate ones just love to try and <laughs> to try and get them back to that place because they know that's where we all should be, because that's what we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that insight that you had. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, what do you love about animals? And that includes pets and just animals in the wild, just animals in general. Yeah, I mean they they teach us unconditional love. I mean, talk about not holding grudges. Talk about you know you know you can trip over them and accidentally bump into them or knock their water or their food over or or whatever, or take a toy away from them, and they're still there wagging their tail, like ready to come back and love on you. I mean, there's no time at all. There's no recovery time. You know, I mean, of course there's exceptions, but, and I also just love how animals just live so harmoniously with so little in their environment. I mean, they are minimalists, you know, like (laughs) if you think about it. Um, So I'm so glad that we get to share this planet with, with animals. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love animals. I love being around animals. Their energy just soothes my soul to to no end um i love to bring my dog everywhere with me um she's such a support and she brings so much joy to to other people too which i love sharing and seeing people 
love on her and and her love on them. <laughs> yeah, so it's a beautiful experience to be able to connect with the animals and see that. And I imagine you really got to see that unconditional love when she was raising her puppies as well, because that's I got to see my cat raise her kittens, and it's such a beautiful experience to see see them with the just how loving, affectionate, caring, conscious they are of their puppies as well or their kittens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's been an absolute uh, beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed chatting to you, and I really, truly appreciate you being open and honest and sharing with me, and maybe even talking about things like so you haven't quite even talked about so much. So I really appreciate it, and I think the listeners will too. I think it gives them a lot of insight and uh, personal touch, especially with some of your developments that have happened only within the last year. Lots of people wait a long time before they might share certain things. So I'm really appreciative of that. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, part of me did get a little bit gunshot. It's like, oh, do I have enough success yet to go and, and, and talk hmm. about my life? But um, I uh, I listened to some of your podcasts and I felt comfortable. I was like, you know what? Luke is such a great person. Like, I feel like we're going to have a great conversation and I'm going to feel comfortable. So this has been a really beautiful opportunity for me. It's lifted my spirits and and sort of helped me feel confident to move forward so I can you know, get to helping others um, if they feel if they feel called to. to work yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think you will help a lot, and I think you already have helped help people. And like I said, it's about staying on that path and being supportive, being caring, and compassionate. Yeah. And definitely like what you said about not feeling, am I successful enough to come on? And I've tried to explain this to a few other people because I've had people turn me down because they don't feel accomplished enough to talk about themselves. And I said, that's even more reason why I want you on. <laughs> and they yeah. couldn't understand. They're like, oh, wait till I've done this. No, I'm not. I, who, who wants to hear me speak? And I said, it's not about what you've uh, successfully accomplished in your life. You are a life. You have lived there's an abundance of experience and wealth of information that could aid others. And for me, it's about just breaking in a little bit to that as well as it helps me. It's a bit why it's a selfish podcast. I love it. It, it serves me. It serves the person I'm interviewing and it, and it serves the guests as well. Yeah. And um, I know that Claudia and I were talking about coming on with you and, and having another talk. And I would love that. Like I really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to future collaborations with you Luke and thank you for doing this at uh, this whole uh, movement really and encouraging those people that are unsure um, because that's exactly true you know whenever I've encountered people that are struggling uh, with depression or suicidality or, or whatever it's like shame they have so much shame and and I think it's because people hide hide their humanness and if we could get the story out if we can get more people talking about hey what it's really like to be human, it'll take the edge off and it'll be healing, you know, just to know that, you know, you're not some, some sort of shameful being, you know, we're yeah. all, we're all going through stuff all the time. Yeah. I've seen, I've sort of narrowed it down. So I've noticed two different patterns people seem to run and it's either they feel they're not good enough or they're not worth it. Aww. And most of the time they're retracking back to them steps that they're just not good enough. They're not worth it. And me and Claudia briefly talked about that and healing. And I said, healing sometimes can make you put yourself in that you're not good enough still until you're healed. You know, so it's a journey, a process. And it's like, no, you're good enough right now, but you're on a path of development. You don't know how good and how great you can be, but you're good enough. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that inspiration and that thought, you know, into my into myself and, and see if I can do some messaging around that, um, you know, in the coming months, because it is so important. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and I just um, lastly, I was just going. You brought up the other podcast. I do have another podcast, which is in its earlier stages. It's actually started by uh, one of my close friends who I met traveling, and we have a great podcast called Everything Matters. And I want to have you and Claudia on there. And he's he's very different to me, but he's full of compassion. So it would be an interesting dynamic on the conversation. I think we'd have all have a very enjoyable conversation that can also help each other yeah. as well as as well as help others. So I will yeah. keep you updated when when that will be, and we'll book that in. Great. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Look forward to it. Okay. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Uh, enjoy whatever you're up to. And I will let you know when the episode's out, but it will be on a Sunday. And all episodes now are coming out on Sunday at uh, 3 p.m. EST, which I think is 12 PTST and 8 p.m. GMT. I've had to learn all the time zones in the- <laughs> <laughs> to do podcasts. <laughs> it's a it's a mind bender okay great well thank you so much again and and keep rocking on luke i thank you you fully take care thank you so much take care thank you so much for being here and listening to the selfish podcast i'm your host luke greenheart and i appreciate you being here don't forget to check out my youtube channel just search luke greenheart on youtube you'll find me check out my website lukegreenheart.com Have an amazing day and stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be interviewing guests on their path of self-development, their path to self, getting to know them in much more intimacy, much more depth, sharing and connecting with all so we can have a much more blissful, joyful and productive life together. All right, much love. Have a great day.